Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the beautiful studios of Relate365.com in the beautiful North Woods of Wisconsin, where spring has sprung, even though there's still snow on the ground. Oh, it'll leave soon. And you know what? I'm still the dot-com guy, and I don't know if that's good or bad. It will leave soon or leave soon? It will leave soon. But I am still the dot-com guy. I try and get really low on that dot-com thing. The dot-com, oh, yeah. the dot-com guy. Yeah, that's me. That's you. you say the name and I say the dot-com, but I hope the dot-com guy's a good guy in life because that's who I'm claiming to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I can Google it, but I won't. Yeah, don't, because if it's bad, I don't want to hear about it. Considering you've been doing it for how many episodes? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, whatever you come up with, I'm going to call it pamphlet knowledge anyway, so it won't matter. So with that same thought process, yes. with all of your pamphlet knowledge, I could say it won't matter then? Yes. The only yeah. thing that actually matters is not pamphlet knowledge. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah, the rest of pamphlet knowledge, mm, unimportant. And for those of you wondering what pamphlet knowledge is, <laughs> don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it says. That's right. It's like, it's like making decisions like you know something because you read a pamphlet on it or you saw it on Facebook or an article that somebody wrote somewhere. You saw enough to formulate an opinion, and that's about all. That's right. And, and then you find a bunch of other articles that confirm what you just believed, and now you think the whole world believes like you do, and it's really one crazy bloggist somewhere that's writing on things that you're following. So That was profound. Yeah. It can happen, though. I mean, <laughs> believe me. Especially lately. Yeah, I mean, you can believe anything. And, you know, here's, here's one of the things I like to teach kids, though. So we've talked yeah. about this, but just because... I believe something doesn't make it true. Really? Yes. So belief isn't truth. It, it, belief is just belief. Yeah, and that's a very important distinguishing. It, it truth. is extremely yes important. Yep. Because you can believe something with all your heart. You can have all this conviction. Right. Just like you believe that the Green Bay Packers are the best team, and they're not. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a bad example because I don't that's, think they are. Precise. Yeah. Well. Well, you don't think they are. Well, I, you think I, they're better than the Bears. I'm a let's, fan. Let's just say that, and well, that belief is wrong. Except for the record. Who cares about the record? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> We're talking about a guy that believes something that's not true. And he's a bear fan named Jason. However, <laughs> I think it's an important distinction for everybody, but especially to teach kids. Yeah. That because you have a really strong conviction on something doesn't make something right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Because by itself... By itself now, belief or conviction does not make anything right or wrong. Right. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did that for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I can spin now in my own brain. Uh, now, I had to yeah. for your realist mind. Now, years ago, years ago, I used to take groups out on horseback for a week in the woods of the Nicolay National Forest. Hmm. And it was high school kids, and we would start. They'd come on Saturday. Yep. On Sunday, we would train them on basics of horseback riding. Okay. On Monday morning, we would leave. And uh, camps back then went from Saturday to Saturday. Okay. So then on Monday morning, we would leave, and we'd stay out in the National Forest Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, come back Friday. Wow. And I used to love those trips because yeah. I think because there, there was only a total of 10 people yeah. with us. And it really was like the whole world stopped. Yeah. Because I was in the middle of the National Forest with nobody but these 10. Didn't see anybody for that whole time. And, and we were able to concentrate on just relational things and enjoying being in the woods. And um, now, I'm, 
again, I was taking care of the horses, so it's not like this was a real fun ride for me. Yeah. Because you walked for five days through the woods. And for somebody that would like to do more rodeo kind of stuff or breaking horses, this was pretty slow. So it's not like you were the wild, wild west. No. Riding like a cowboy. No, because you have to remember, you were taking people from the city who haven't ridden at all. Yeah. And hadn't, if they did ride, they hadn't ridden for a year. And all of a sudden, you got them for you know, a week in the saddle. It, it, after day one, they all have trouble walking anyway because of their legs hurting and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, you had to be somewhat careful in what you did and how many hours you spent in the saddle, actually. And then did you guys tent? Yes, yeah. Well, oh, okay. we didn't bring it on the horses. I actually went out ahead of time and sorted out all the spots, and I did that on, on a horse, and that took too long because actually a walking horse walks about the same pace that I do. Hmm. So it'd be like walking everywhere. Yeah. And I could run them, but they got too tired. So we didn't do that. So then I went out on a, a dirt bike, a motorcycle, oh. and, and and mapped it all out. And as I mapped it out, I always mapped it out because at the, the end of the day, you needed a place where you you could water the horses and where another vehicle could get in somehow and bring us our supplies. Right. Because I, I didn't want to count on the forest for hay. Uh, we would have to move them around all night to feed those horses. They ate like horses. You know, I mean, we had to feed them. Is that where the I'm as hungry as a horse came from? I think so. So because of the fact that they ate like horses and, and we had to supply that need, I had a truck come in every night, and I thought, well, then I'm not carrying the tents and other stuff. So they would bring us the food every day. They would bring our tents. They would bring the, the hay yeah. and, and meet us there, or they would just dump it off in the spot, and when we got there, it was all there for us. So it really was a nice ride through the woods in that sense. Yeah. So we, we had our lunches with us every day. Mm-hmm. And, and ba- did, you ever eat a, did you ever eat a sandwich that's been stored in a, in a saddlebag of a horse? No. Don't. Was it delicious? Oh, I'm telling you. Well, I, I tell you, I, you, you know how you develop strange tastes? Yep. Because you ate something that, and all of a sudden it kind of grew on you? Okay. So like coffee, I don't think anyone who drinks coffee the very first time likes it. I could see that. Yeah, but but you drink it. Like the first time I did, I was in college, and we went to this place called the, um, uh, um, what was the, the Golden Ashtray, we called it. The Golden Ashtray. Uh, everybody smoked in there, man. The, the smoke was like thick, and back then you could smoke in restaurants. <laughs> That's funny. But they gave you, it was 10 cents for like a cup of coffee, and they just kept filling it. So colleges would go there, get get a cup of coffee and hang out, and, and, just and, and they would just fill the, your cup all the time. It was the early day coffee shop. That's right. And um, so we, we would sit there, and, and I learned that you, you drink about a half a cup, fill it with cream, the rest of it away, and, and about 14 tablespoons of sugar. And, <laughs> Did you know, that fit in the coffee you, cup? Oh, yeah. You could drink it then, you know. <laughs> uh, but then as I went on and I started to gain weight, I realized that sugar probably wasn't good for me. So now I drink it black. Yeah. And, I, and I actually like it. You know, I mean, so I went from uh, – my daughter figured this out, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She she said she read somewhere, I think, and I can't remember the number. But if you eat something thirteen times, you'll end up liking it, even if you don't like it. Right, the first thirteen times. Right. What if the, even like the thirteenth time you still don't like it? I, I this is hypothetical now, Jason. Well, we could try it with Lutefisk. We could. I I I think I'm going to like it though. But here here's here's what she found out. It actually did that. She didn't like fish. She was going on a mission trip to Alaska. Yeah. So she ate it thirteen times. Now she loves fish. Really? Yeah. So it's really kind of weird, you know, how that works. Interesting. How you expose yourself to something that maybe at the first you don't like, and then eventually you like it. 
I think there's a lot of life like that. You, you have to get into it first to see how its benefits. You have to see what it's like, its uniquenesses. And when you do that, you end up actually liking it down the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm with a, a group of people out in the woods. They, they haven't ridden for a week uh, straight like this, and everything's new to them. And one of the interesting things was how they connected with God out there um, automatically. Yeah. Um, each night, here's what we did. We, we got to the spot we were going to stay at, and I had, them, you know, I had everyone put their own tents up, and then I would start making the supper. And then it was pretty early because you only rode about five hours a day. Yeah. So you're not riding you know, eight, ten hours, you're five hours, so you got plenty of daylight left. And the first night, I remember I built a fire, and we had eaten, we cleaned up, and uh, we gathered around the fire, and the kids say, well, what's next? I said, nothing, we're going to sit here and talk. And they looked at me like, really? That's the activity? Mm-hmm. How dumb. And the first night, most of them went to sleep right away, and it was Rich Hess and I or somebody else, and we would just sit there and talk mm-hmm. uh, and uh, have a good time at the fire, put it out, go to bed. Next night, same routine. Kids coming in, What's, you got anything tonight? No, we're going to sit and talk around the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, they stayed out a little bit but went to bed early. By the third night, they stayed. we couldn't get them to bed. Yeah, and they were sitting out there talking. They were changing story. They were ex- they were excited about talking to one another mm-hmm. instead of being entertained. Yeah, and I never forgot that lesson. I thought this is valuable. It takes a little while to get them to do it. Not only that, they began to notice things in nature. Yeah, they began to notice how God created things, mm-hmm. and I was able to tell them stories about how God made things. Yeah. Um, like, are you familiar with Lake Turnover? Lake Turnover. In the north here? I've never heard of Lake Turnover. Well, it's... It, is uh, it a uh, nice lake? Yeah. No, well, what happens is the, the I lake... I teasing. Uh, it's a process, I know. Yeah. But it, go, do tell. Yeah. It, it's a... Um, it's when at lakes that freeze over, yep. the top of the lake has to hit 32 degrees for ice. Okay. Okay. Now, we all know that God made water have really strange characteristics compared to the rest of the matter. Okay. So when it freezes, it actually gets larger and dense, you know, it expands. Yep. When it gets, but, but here's the funny thing. It's about 44 degrees, and again, they do it in Celsius, and I'm American, so I have no idea what that means, but it's about 44 degrees Fahrenheit that water is at its densest point. Okay. So what happens is in the summer, the water is maybe 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. Now you've been in the lake, the bottom is what? you know, 50 maybe or something, you know, it's colder at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So the top is 70 degrees. What happens in the fall is that the top of the water starts to cool off. Mm -hmm. The bottom doesn't cool as fast because it's already cold. It'll cool a little bit, you know, it's not getting colder if the top is still 55 and the bottom's 50. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make it colder. So what happens is when the top layer hits 44 degrees, the bottom is usually not at 44. Yeah. But the top now is denser than the bottom. And the top water goes down to the bottom. Hmm. And the bottom water comes up to the top. Now that water at the bottom is as dense as water gets, so it stays there. The top now goes down to 32 and freezes and caps over the lake. Mm -hmm. In the spring, it reverses the process, does exactly the opposite. Hmm. What it does is the lake turns over twice a year. If you're down there when it happens, it's weird. Yeah. Because all of a sudden there's dirt in the water and you're looking at what just happened. 
Hmm. I mean, you can't tell, really. There's, but one year, students did. They came and got me and said, something's really weird in the lake. I said, it's turning over. You know, I went down there and, you know, it was. And, and that's really an odd time. But what's really cool about it is you see the hand of God. Yeah. What happens that this lake has fish and turtles and everything in it that need to survive a winter? He caps it off mm-hmm. so that the, the ice only goes so far. Yeah. Not only does he cap it off, he makes it so that the lower water won't freeze. He mixes all the nutrients up before it freezes so that there's stuff floating all over the place. And the fish then go through their, their winter season. Then in the spring, let's kickstart this thing. Yeah. You know, let's get the nutrients mixed up again, get things going, and the lake turns over again. Mm-hmm. And that water that expanded. So what I'm trying to encourage people to do is look at how God made the world. There's no explanation for this mm-hmm. other than God preserving the fish in the lake. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a time when it gets 30 below outside and they're not going to do well with that. The little lakes that freeze all the way to the bottom, yeah, they freeze out. There's no fish in them. Hmm. So that's why there's a cap on the bigger lakes and the, and the fish survive in that. Yeah. So you don't want to be a fish in a shallow lake. That's the rule there. You mm. want to go to a deeper spot if you're right. a fish. That's what Psalm 104 is. We've been talking about Psalm 103, 102. Now we're in 104. And, and that's the, the 104th Psalm is really uh, about nature. It's, and, and let me read this to you. Um, I believe this was Spurgeon. He said, this suggestion is most reasonable. The Lord has given innumerable blessings to every part of our nature. All of our faculties are the recipients of blessings. Therefore, they should all bless God in return. Every pipe of the organ should yield its quota of sound. All the rivers run into the sea, so all our powers should flow towards the Lord's praise. To prove that this is reasonable, let me ask one single question. If we do not devote all that is within us to the praise of God, which part is it that we should leave unconsecrated? And being less consecrated to God, what should we do with it? It's just the idea that God has made it all and everything points to him if we look at it. Mm -hmm. It points to a creator. It points to a purpose. Yeah. And we need to enjoy that. So I can look at the lake and say, wow, God, great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, and Psalm 104, it says, oh, Lord, you, my God, you are very great. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my, uh, oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with lights as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Have you ever, have you ever gone out in the, you know, up here in the, and seen the, just the, the massive stars? Mm-hmm. I love during the summertime because we, we draw a lot of, students from Chicago and I love when we a clear night because without a doubt half of them have crooked necks <laughs> yeah. looking up at the sky because they're just not used to it right. you know and it's just stunning stunning why are we amazed by that because it just shows how I don't know big God is how big he is but it always shows how little we are right I mean when you think about it oh yeah totally you look at this and you go oh my goodness yeah but then you realize that the God who made all that, he loves you. Yeah. You know, I don't know where you're at, but if you're, uh, if we're still in this COVID-19 thing while, while this gets played and, and you're in a place you can go outside and look at the stars, do it. Yeah. Enjoy the fact. The stars kind of scream at you, the creation of God and, and, and the, the purposes of God. 
we don't even understand why they all exist other mm -hmm. than for us to enjoy them. Yeah. We don't really know how deep the universe is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Do you call the universe we can see our universe and there's other universes or is the universe everything? Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. It's massive though. Yeah. Huge. It's huge. Yeah, we, we are big universe. But yeah, what I want to uh, try and do is what the psalmist does here in Psalm 104 and get our listeners to read Psalm 104 and just think about how God displays himself in nature. Mm -hmm. um, again, when I was out in the woods, I remember I was sitting on the horse and, you know, just kind of walking. On this particular, I had one really bad year where we didn't have enough horses and we had all these people sign up and we needed a bunch of horses at camp. So I ended up riding a Shetland pony for the week. Now, you should, nobody should ride a Shetland pony for a week. <laughs> They're trot, they trot constantly because yeah. they can't keep up. And so it's, it's a week of trot and very fast up and down motion. And finally, I just walked next to it most mm -hmm. of the week. Yeah. But while I was sitting on this, trotting on this horse, I, I basically said, okay, God, you say that I, that I could see you in nature. Yeah. Show me yourself. I want to see you. I want to see you in the woods. And it was interesting. I just was quiet and, and rode and, and looked out. And I noticed something as I was doing that. My eyes naturally ended up looking up. Hmm. Because the trees that were alive, they were doing one of a couple things. They were either shaped in a way that pointed straight up. Mm -hmm. Or they were bowing. One of the two. Hmm. And I, I just started to look at all the trees around me. And I realized if you're a, a live tree, your branches reach up. Like you're praising God, like you're reaching out towards the sustaining life that comes from, from Him. Mm -hmm. If you're a pine tree, you you end up having this really steep. Some of those trees were, hundred feet tall, yeah, and they had this steep point. That your eyes naturally just went right up to the top and then looked up. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if the pine tree was saying, "Look up, look look at the Creator, look what He has done." And the sky, you know, beautiful. Um, have you ever fished for trout? No, not for trout. We have uh, I have a couple spots up here in the woods I go to, and I get little brookies or little brook trout. They're they're delicious to eat. They are the most colorful, most gorgeous little fish you'd ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. You you pull one of those out and look at it, and you go, "Oh my goodness, this is an incredibly artistic fish." Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the colors, the spots, and you're thinking it's here in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Who's enjoying this but me? And it's almost as if God says, yeah, that's why. Yeah. You just pulled that out. Look what I made for you. Mm -hmm. Not only that, it tastes great. So I gave you, it was fun to catch. It was beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. And it will nourish you. And it's tasty. Yeah. So how, how better can I make it, Dave? Mm -hmm. And you should be one who says, thank you, God. Yeah. And praise me because of the fearful and the wonderful way that I've made things. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at it, I can't believe uh, my my advanced degree in, is in education, but it's in science and education. And it's really hard for me to fathom anyone believing that the world wasn't created. Mm. In fact, it's impossible for me to understand that. Yeah. Because it's too complicated to have accidentally come into existence. Mm -hmm. And the only reason you would say that it, it didn't have a creator was because you don't want to face the creator 
Because then if there is one, there's a purpose and it's beyond us. Yeah. And I think if you took time to look at lake turnover, brook trout, trees, stars, you would have no other conclusion other than somebody made it. Mm-hmm. And what's the really cool part is when you look at that, you begin to realize that who made it, made it for you. Yeah. When you check in Genesis, God would look at it and go, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now, have you given gifts to your children? Yeah. Have you ever had that mind frame? I might not have used the words, but ever mind frame, oh, that's good. I like that. The gift? Yeah. You're, you, in other words, you're going to give it to them, but oh. they don't know it yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're just looking at it yourself, yeah. saying, oh, that's good. Yes, yes. They're, they're going to like this gift. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what God did with creation. Yeah. He looked at it and said, oh, this is this is really good. And if you look at Genesis, that's what he said. He mm-hmm. looked at it and said, oh, this is good. Yeah. He had us in mind when he was doing that. This psalm. It goes on. It says he he lays, verse 3, he lays the beams of his chamber on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers wind, his ministers of flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundation so that it would never be moved. Isn't it weird how the earth, it's perfect where it belongs. It's perfect. It's mm-hmm. a perfect distance like from everything important. Mm-hmm. And we're living because of it. Yeah, precisely perfect. Precisely. I mean, you change it just a little bit and crazy things will happen. Yeah. No, it says right here, th- this is what you did, God. Mm-hmm. You put it in a perfect spot. This didn't happen. All of a sudden, it just, it didn't accidentally happen. It said, you covered the deep as with a garment, and the water stood above the mountains. I- interesting. You, you were able to, at one point, destroy the, wor- the world with a flood. Hmm. It's mentioned here by David. There was a time. Can you imagine? I was watching some, I forget what program it was, but it was talking about what, you know, the life down in the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, deep in the ocean. And I thought, there's life down there. Yeah. Who gets to see that? All right, time to speculate. Speculate. Let's do it. Angels. Do they look at all this stuff and wonder because you and I can't even take it all in? Maybe. I just wonder. I mean, isn't yeah. it isn't creation so much bigger than we can take in? Mm-hmm. And yet, don't you think sometimes that because of media, television, whatever it might be, that Satan's used that to get us disconnected from mm-hmm. what God did? Yeah. So that we're amazed by the really little things in life? Mm-hmm. Uh, your three boys, sometimes, are, are they ever amazed at something very simple? Oh, yeah. That you would look at and go, well, as soon as you get a little older, you're not going to be very amazed at that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. There's an age where you could give a child a box for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say a box. Half the time, my wife and I look at each other, it's like, well, why did we buy those toys? Yeah. Because yeah. they're playing with the packaging more than the toy. Yep. Yeah. We used to have a a, a guy up here, and he, it, depending on the age group, he would just make a, a sarcastic remark or something that didn't appreciate. But he basically said, well, just put a box out there. They'll have a, bo- a good time. You know what I mean? And, and I just thought, no, you got to do better than that. Yeah. But for some kids. Right. No, big refrigerator box, get out of their way. Oh, yeah. So simple. You know, I think what happens sometimes is we miss that there's a refrigerator in that box and we spend our whole life being fascinated by the box. Mm. 
And God looks at us and says, yeah, the box is okay. But really, the box held something valuable. Mm -hmm. And one day I hope you find the value because right now you're just enjoying what I used to, you know, something I used to deliver the value. Mm -hmm. So I, th I would encourage, have you ever seen the Northern Lights? I have. <clears throat> yeah. and, and what, did you see them full blown or do you know what that, what colors were they? Green. Okay, so you did see a full yeah. blown. Um, sometimes you see it white. Oh yeah, yeah. And sometimes you see it with an array of colors, not just green. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember once we, I was at the fire department up here and we were practicing um, the, all the fun stuff we were practicing. Mm -hmm. So we were breaking windows on cars and using the jaw of life to rip them apart. Yeah. Now if you're a guy, doesn't get much better than this for practice yeah so you're going to take a car that you got from the junkyard obviously you're going to bust the window and you're going to rip it apart with the jaws of life just for practice yeah and we're having a ball so we're we're breaking windows and <clears throat> ripping doors off and cutting the whole top off things making convertibles but it was getting dark and but we were having so much fun we just kept doing it and all of a sudden the northern lights came out mm. everybody stopped yeah Everybody stopped. Not one guy wanted to use the jaws of life anymore. Mm -hmm. And we stared at the at the Northern Lights. Yeah. Now, this isn't even a Christian thing going on. Right. These are people that were just cutting apart a car, and half of them weren't believers. Yeah. But all of a sudden, God stopped everybody in their tracks because of the awesome display of the Northern Lights that he put on. And someone like myself was able to praise God because of the Northern Lights. And and point to God. Yeah. And uh, that's what he does. If we would just take time to understand, uh, whether it be taking the, the sap out of a maple tree and, and making it syrup, mm -hmm. which again is amazing all in of itself, that a, a tree takes dirty water, sucks it up into its, its trunk, puts it in a leaf, combines it with chlorophyll and um, carbon dioxide, turns it into sugar yeah. that we boil out later and put on our pancakes. <laughs> That's amazing by itself. Do you need more proof that there's a God? Yeah. I mean, go buy some real maple syrup and enjoy it, and you'll find if you take a moment to notice who God is in nature, mm -hmm. it will enrich your worship time. And if you're having trouble doing that, look what David did. Go back and read Psalm 104. Yeah, because he talks about nature and its role in being able to worship God. And as we've talked about so often in the program, he talked about that's one of the things he could focus on that's true. Yeah. And that true focus is what gives him the ability to praise God in every circumstance. You need to know that God, not the one you make up. Absolutely. And I encourage you to take time to to pause and look around and, and even do what Dave did during his story and say, all right, God, show, you know, show me yourself in creation. Right. You know, that's one thing that I, that I love about camping ministries is we try to do just that. You know, we try to take away distractions so you can enjoy God in the midst of, of everything. We go whitewater after we go horseback riding. We take out, out on the lake. You could swim in a lake, which some kids are afraid of because they can't see the bottom. And they're afraid that the, that the seaweed is going to strangle them. And get caught in get lake turnover. Yeah, or no, whatever. They won't. You know, they won't. But, but it's all good, um, and, and it's a lot of fun. And, and one of the favorite spots I have here at camp is actually our prayer chapel, you know, because it's it's windows on two sides of it, and all, all you're doing is staring out at creation, right? 
which is really cool. And so I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to even come up here, I encourage you to head over to silverstranch.org and sign up for one of our retreats or even summer camp, which is right around the corner. But unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So thank you for listening. If you missed this part of this episode or other episodes, head over to relate365.com. Otherwise, this is Jason and Dave, younger and older. We'll see you here next time.